Welcome to the House Church Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message by Pastor Stephen Sexton. If you would like to know more about the House Church, please visit our website at welcometothehouse.com or download the House app. We are in a series that we started a couple weeks ago. And in this series, I just think that it's important for us to uh, occasionally have resets, to start over. To start over, and I don't know if you ever get into seasons and moments in your life where you feel like, you know what, uh, I need to start over. And here's the thing that we need to understand is that starting over is not new. It's not new to humanity. We've been starting over. We've, we've, we've consistently started over. From the time Adam and Eve got in the garden, they had a moment where, come on, they had to start over. And um, I think I... I had a, you know, you know, y'all ever realize that sometimes real life experiences teach you lessons? Uh, Christmas 2011, uh, I, my kids are a little bit younger, and um, it's kind of our first big Christmas because you know when they're one or two, you're just like, oh, cool. Uh, but when they get like three and four, they're like stepping into like they love it, and so. Um, it was crazy. Uh, it, I, the kids went to bed. It was like 9 o'clock. And, uh, you know, the kids go to bed. And, and then all of a sudden, you know, uh, you know, I'm supposed to help Santa prepare the presents. And, uh, and so I had a few things to make. You know what I'm saying? I had a, and, and so they're, they're sleeping. And they're excited. And we're both excited. I'm like, going to be our first big Christmas. I've got this kitchen to put together, this Bob the Builder set. This is, and I'm just like, man, it's going to be awesome. I rip everything open. I'm starting to put it together. 45 minutes later, I'm, I'm like, oh. come on, you know what I'm talking about? You know, there were no elves helping me, okay? You know, it was like me, and, and I didn't know you had to be a licensed contractor to put together these play sets, okay? And, and so, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm like looking at the package, and I'm like trying to put it together, and the stick, I'm put, I start with the stickers, and you're supposed to end with the stickers, you know what I'm saying? But I, and so I'm frustrated. I'm, I'm upset, and it, my wife can hear me in the room, because when I get upset, I'm breathing heavier. And she's like, uh, babe, do you need some help? And I'm like, no, I got this. And so I'm like, I'm like, ah, we don't have the parts. And, and, and so she's like, well, have you tried reading the directions? I'm like, no. <laughs> you know, we, no. I, I, I look at the picture. You know what I'm saying? You're like, come on, guys. You know, I mean, maybe you're like, you know, like, you know, maybe you are the guy that's like, mm, let me, okay, my place, everything else. <laughs> but I'm, I just ripped it open, started kind of putting, and the, the box was kind of half ripped. So I was kind of, okay. And, and she said, well, do you want me to come help you? And so she came in. And I'm like, I hate this. I hate this. And she's like, well, let's just kind of start over. And, and so we took everything apart, and she started reading. And it's crazy. Once we started reading the directions, <laughs> Like, it was so much easier. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I'm like, where were you? You know, because you read. <laughs> you know, and, and, and it's funny because I, I think that a lot of times that's our Christian life. It's like, okay, I got saved, and I'm kind of trying to put together this Christianity thing, but I really don't understand all of it, and I don't know how it all plays together. And 
I feel like I'm, I'm doing a lot of stuff that Christians do, but, you know, uh, my kitchen don't look like the kitchen, like, like their kitchen. Or, or my, you know what I'm saying, my toolbox don't look like. And for some reason, there's a, there's a disconnect in, in what I'm building. And, and here's the thing is that I want you to know today that God never intended for us to struggle pulling life together. Then there was going to be a struggle because, I mean, we're, we live in a fallen world. We do. We live in a fallen world. And I think a lot of tension with people who, go to, who, who are saying, yes, I'm going to go to church, is the struggle of if God is good, all-powerful, all-knowing, everywhere, always present, why are bad things happening? Why do we deal with the heart, the hurt and the heartache? Why do we deal with these heavy issues? And why doesn't God just like zap everything and make it, make it better? Come on, I mean, come on. Why, why cancer? Why, why loss? Why death? Why, why all of these things? And here's what we need to understand as we navigate um, our, our understanding of who God is. Is... God never intended for us to struggle. When he, when he created man in the garden, it was perfect. Okay? Man took it on himself. Now, look, come on. He took it on himself to do it a different way than God wanted to do it. And then thus sin came into the world, right? And so here's the thing. A lot of us get hung up on, God, why do bad things happen? But the truth is, God is present helping us navigate bad things. Yeah. He is there helping us weave and ma manage and navigate bad things. And the truth is, when everybody's given me something, I'm happy. Come on, you walk up and say, man, I want to give your family Disney tickets. I'm like, holla. You know what I mean? If you came up to me and you're like, you know what, pastor? I want to give you a year of seven brew. I'm like, yeah, yeah, do that. Okay? But, but here's the thing. And so... Many of us want to fall in love with the giver God, but the giver God, while that's exciting, come on, it is the problems and adversities in our life that develop character. The things that we have to go through that navigate our character and build our character, it's the hard moments where we don't know what to do, where, where, where it's frustrating. It's in those moments that really build character because you find out who you are when you expected something different. You, you find out who you are when you have these expectations of here's what I thought God would do and here's how because I went to church or because this and I just want to say, and maybe you're here today and trying to figure out how to put all this together. And, and, and sometimes we just need to start over and receive some help. God has not changed. And I want to start with this verse, and I want us to walk through. We're going to actually look at a few verses today because I'm talking about the Holy Spirit. And so there's been so much taught against it. I want to talk about it, and I want you to show it. Maybe you've read these verses a lot in the Bible, but maybe you haven't. And so I just want to walk through some things that the Bible says so that you can kind of know where we're coming from and where, where, and, and where we want to see our church thrive. Because we feel like as we partner with the Holy Spirit, our our church and our individual lives will thrive. John chapter 14 verse 26. We'll have it up here on the screen for you. But it says this. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. Everybody say all things. All things. 
and bring to your remembrance, okay, to remind all the things that I've said to you. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about this. Jesus is talking to the disciples. He is talking to them, and he's saying, hey, there's a helper that's going to come, okay? This helper is going to come, and he's going to cause you to remember the things that I have said to you. The issue is, I think sometimes in Christianity, is we want people to accept the Holy Spirit and the deliverance of the Holy Spirit, but here's what happens. If you don't put something in then you cannot be reminded of how to act in certain situations. Does that make sense? And so what happens is God is into power. He's into gifts. And we're going to read all of this. But Christians become crazy and a little kooky when they don't fill up on the word and the Holy Spirit doesn't have anything to remind them of. So then they are just kind of feeling whatever God says. But... God wanted us to be anchored. Jesus did three years with the disciples so they could have a frame of reference. Here's how God thinks. Here's how God acts. Here's what God does. Here's how he loves. Oh, I'm training, I'm training, I'm training, I'm training. Don't worry. If I leave, the Holy Spirit's coming. He's going to bring back everything that I trained you. Does that make sense? So when we, when we try to offer or we, we want to promote the Holy Spirit when there's been no fueling of the car, then everything is now subjective. It's whatever I think it is. Well, no, no, no. That's not the function of the Holy Spirit. And we'll talk about the function of the Holy Spirit. What he does is he teaches you about God and who God is. And he brings revelation out of the word to help you navigate your life. Because we are in 2018. This was written here, but it's still live and active. And so now, how do I, how do I interpret this concept in my workplace? How do I interpret this concept now that I'm in this society? How do I interpret this concept? The Holy Spirit will reveal to you the word of God. Come on, somebody. Does this make sense? We are talking about the four benefits of accepting the helper. And last Sunday I talked about two. I'm going to talk about two more this Sunday. The first one was it convicts us of sin. And the second is it leads us to freedom. And so we're going to talk for the rest of our time here today about the Holy Spirit. And I, you know what? And, and I kind of liken it to this. So last year I took a couple kids. Uh, Katie, I don't, you weren't, I don't think you went with us. But I, I was like, I got loaded the minivan up. And we took a bunch of kids to Silver Dollar City. And so I'm thinking I'm going to have fun. So I'm kind of ADD, hyperactive, sanguine. And so I'm like, well, ride. It's great. It's crazy. The older I get, the less I can ride. Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about? Come on, you were a kid. You rode all day. Now, like one, you're like, oh, Jesus. But and, and so I'm building up this ride, and all the kids are like, I'm scared. And so I'm like, who are you? Who are you? I've got three kids that are like, yeah, let's ride. I got one that's like, I would rather not. And I'm like, oh, I, okay, you you at the wrong family. And so and so we're we're getting ready to go this last ride, and all these friends are going, and and the questions start coming. Was well, it scary? Well, is there any flips? Well, how fast does it go? Have you? And I'm like, ah, I'm you know, I'm listen, I'm kind of a, a sanguine personality. So if anytime you ask me for a fact. You've got to know I'm making it up. Okay? Okay. So the kids are like, how fast does it go? And I'm like, oh, 
74 miles an hour. I don't know. I haven't called nobody. Excuse me. And so I'm just like around 40, and they're like, 40's really fast. And I'm like, not if you have a seatbelt. And so we're, we're talking this thing through. And so they're very apprehensive. So I'm taking them the long way in Silver Dollar City. And so, because I knew if I go the short way, I didn't, have, I didn't have them one yet. Okay. And so we're going long. And finally they get there. And finally I just say, you know what, guys, let's just try it. And I was dealing with all of their experiences about, come on, riding this ride. And so they reluctantly got on. They did it. And I'm watching all the kids kind of. And after the first two corners, they're like, yeah. And when we got done, they would do it again. And I'm like, no. <laughs> no, we did it like three or four times. And, and, and I think that when we talk about the Holy Spirit, based on our background, it's like, I don't know if I want to get on that ride. Because there's been so many jerky moments I don't really know, come on, what I think about it. And so here's what today is about. It's about laying out to you a biblical frame model and then you just let that saturate and sit on you because I believe that when you rightly divide, come on, the word of God, you're going to see clearly here's what God says. Does that make sense? When we talk about the Holy Spirit, why was the Holy Spirit sent for us, Here's the, here it is in a nutshell, is the Holy Spirit was sent to us so that we would be a witness to the truth. So that we would be a witness to the truth. When churches typically talk about the power of the Holy Spirit or the Holy Spirit based on church backgrounds. We got so many different uh, backgrounds here. And so some people, if it's more a Pentecost, man, the Holy Spirit was fire. Come on, fire. Woo, now we're getting into something right now. Holy Spirit, fire. Maybe you have a church background where the Holy Spirit, check this out, was, was more active in your life, but the gifts are not really present for today. That was just a, a way for the church to expand and to grow, and so that was more for that season, and now we're in a different season. Maybe you grew up in a church background where the Holy Spirit was like a dove, and it was peaceful, and when the, when the Holy Spirit comes in, it's more of a peace. And it gives you a peace in the storm of life. Come on, if you grew up even in a more charismatic background, the Holy Spirit was a form of anointing. And anointing is kind of a churchy word. Basically what anointing means is it's an Old Testament word that shepherds would douse sheep in oil. So that the insects would kind of get off of them, the ticks, the bugs, or whatever. And so they would douse them in oil. And so now it is like a, a type and shadow. It's like a symbol, like a wedding ring, like baptism. So when we say anointing, it means that you have been covered and now old things can break off of you. Come on, somebody. And that, so, so, it's, so it's terminology. You can become free. And, and so as we talk about this, we need to understand something. God did not come... To divide the church. God does not divide the church. He wanted to build it. God doesn't divide the church. He wants to build it. Jesus didn't come to divide the church. He came to die for it. The teaching on the Holy Spirit has been the one issue that has been the most divisive in church. And here's why. Because we want to focus more on the function than on the friendship. And so we're all fighting over function. 
Well, what is the function? Well, what is this? Well, what, is the, what does he do? What does he do? What does he do? But we want to know more about what he does than who he is. Does it make sense? So let's look at this. Everyone, everyone of the Godhead, the Trinity, when I say Godhead, Trinity, three in one, Father, Son, Spirit, everyone of the Godhead had their opportunity here on earth. Everyone. In the Old Testament, God walked with the prophets. Okay? In the New Testament, Jesus walked with the disciples. And now in this dispensation, the Holy Spirit walks, come on, with the believer. Now think about this. Well, what type of relationship? Because we use the relationship terminology a lot. But, but Jesus was the one that established that. In fact, even God, he, God wanted to be known as Father. That, that means relationship. Jesus said in, in John 15, 15, I no longer call you servants, but I call you friends. Okay, that means that now we're going deeper. Okay, a father and son, but now we're going deeper. And so now we're in this friendship, family, and the Holy Spirit. I mean, you think about it. Why, why, why was the Holy Spirit not necessarily needed when Jesus was present? Because Jesus would walk along the disciples. If you read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus was an active presence in their lives. In other words, listen to this. He guided them. He directed them. He coached them. Come on, anybody ever been coached? Put your hand up. You've been coached. He coached them. He challenged them on learning what the heart of the Father was. Now the Holy Spirit is the one that walks with believers. You see, God isn't on the earth. He's sitting on the throne. That's what the Bible says, that God is on the throne. Jesus is not on earth. Where's Jesus? The Bible says that Jesus is on the right hand of the Father, praying and making intercession for you. So who's here? Does that make sense? And so if we we don't understand that, then our... Christianity gets very confusing. Who am I praying to? What am I doing? God, Jesus. How is that? Ah, God. I don't, oh, Holy Spirit's weird. All right, God, Jesus. God, Jesus. So, as we're talking about this, as we look through the Bible, we can see that the enemy has always wanted to come against the Godhead that was on earth. Think about this. In the Old Testament, when God tried to introduce himself, I am. God, here's the deal. People would go back and they would make an image and know this is God and here's a cow and here's this. And and they wanted God to be some sort of image denying the power because nobody wanted to serve an invisible God. If you think about uh, David, okay, David and Saul, the Israel no longer wanted to be led by the Spirit of God. They wanted a king. They wanted a presence. See, See, the enemy was always attacking God's position in their life. Jesus in the New Testament, the enemy was always always attacking Jesus' position. Well, some say this. Well, some say this. Well, some say this. Well, you know what? If you are the Son of God, go ahead and jump down. Well, if you are... And now, we're in this dispensation, and the enemy is always attacking the function and the friendship of the Holy Spirit. The Holy, there's an all-out attack on the Holy Spirit. Why? Why would the devil want to do that? Because the devil, listen to me, hates truth. He hates truth. 
And, and here's the deal. He hates truth because he is void of truth. The Bible says that he is the author and the father of lies. He can never have truth. He can, there is no truth in him, and he can never get truth. That's why he stands against it. Does this make sense? So the enemy wants to hate, destroy truth, and here's what we need to see. The simple truth is that truth is not a fact. It is a person. Truth is not a fact. It's a person. Look at this. John chapter 14, verse 6. Look at this. Jesus said, I am the way. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the what? So truth is not a fact. It is a person. I am the truth. And I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through what? Me. Okay. So I'm just trying to help you understand this a little bit better. When Jesus was walking on the earth, the enemy, what did he want to do? Kill truth. Why? Love covers sin, but truth will set you free. So I've got to kill you so that you don't walk in freedom, so we remove truth because I don't want you free. I don't want you transformed. I don't want you changing. I don't want you breaking habits. I don't want you overcoming. I don't want you breaking generational issues of divorce. And I don't want you, I don't want, I want you in bondage. I want to perpetuate hurt for the rest of your life so that you're, you do what your father did or maybe you were a little bit better, but the same, come on, does this make sense? Truth. Truth. Now, the disciples did not need the Holy Spirit because they were walking with Jesus, who was part of the Godhead. And so, when they acting crazy, Jesus rally up. Okay, huddle. Y'all can't be. Don't don't watch that. Watch those Pharisees. Watch the leaven. Don't do that. Hey, come on, bring it in. No, no, no. You're doubting. Why are you doubting? Oh, oh. John sixteen thirteen. This is Jesus talking. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. What? For he does not speak of his own authority, but he speaks. Come on, look at this. But whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you the things that are yet to come. Here's what I'm saying. God's on the throne. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. And Jesus sends the Holy Spirit. Come on. The truth. And so now the truth of who God is can live. Come on, somebody. Inside you. Inside you. So here's the thing. That's why the enemy is always attacking the concepts of the Holy Spirit because he does not want truth to reside, come on, in your life. We're talking about four benefits to accepting the helper. Four benefits to accepting the helper. And, and I did the first two last week. I'm going to do the last two uh, today. The third one is this. He gives us power. He gives us power. And I want to talk about that because, oh, this is a roller coaster, roller coaster. All right, here's the go. He gives us power. I want to read this verse to you real quick. 
Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you will receive power, or you shall receive power, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be my witness to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the world. What are we witnessing? We're witnessing the truth. Like there is truth. His name is Jesus. Come on. And we are going to take this to Pea Ridge. Come on. Lowell Cave Springs. You know, Bentonville. You, we, we, does that make sense? We we even gonna go to grab it. You know what I'm saying? I'm just saying we're like like we that's that's the idea is we're taking this truth. And so what why are we power? Why why is there power? There's power to do two things. And and so here's the thing. You are receive power to do two things, to act and to be a witness, to act and to be a witness, to be act and to be a witness. That is it. The Holy Spirit's function is so that you would act and be a witness. Okay, I want to talk a little bit about this. All of us in our life are going to face giants, battles, strongholds. So, listen, the Old Testament was not just... Um, Something for us to go, uh uh-huh, it wasn't that sweet, good stories. God didn't know we were going to have families and we needed to say something, okay? It is to let you know that all of life, there will be an enemy, there will be a battle, there will be overcoming, there will be adversity, there will be all of this. And if you want to take territory in your life, there is another mountain, another person, another thing, another thought, another issue that you're going to have to continually bring and your life is about battling those things, come on, that want to keep you captive. Right? Does that make sense? So guess what? you got to learn how to act. you got to learn how to act because we're fear and intimidation holds us back. We can't even invite a co-worker to church because we're scared. We can't act. You know, we got friends of our kids coming over to our house. And you know what? We usually pray for food, but now we're not going to pray because we don't know how to act. And so when it comes to moments of really acting, we can't act because come on we're intimidated listen you've given power to act not to sit in fear and to be overcome by doubt First Corinthians 2 4 through 5 says this and my speech and my Paul is preaching and my preaching was not to entice you with words of man's wisdom, but a demonstration of spirit and of power that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Here's the thing. God wants you to act. To act. There's power today that's still active. Those Bible stories aren't just ancient anecdotes. God has not changed. And to be spirit-filled, to be empowered, to be given power. Listen, we believe that we can pray for a sick friend. We believe that in hard times, come on, we're going to endure, overcome, fear, rejection, all of these things. God is giving you what you need to overcome that. Because if not, the church becomes sitters and we're not active. The call of God on our life is to win the city, and as a Christian, our best days should be Monday through Saturday, not Sunday. Sunday's when we rally. Man, look what God did. Come on, let's tell a story. Let's talk. Man, let's chest bump. What's up, family? Come on. But Monday is when we start the work. 
And so religion tells you that Sunday is the day you act. Come on, pastor. <laughs> and so now we have more religion that tries to act. All right, baby, you're you fighting the whole way here. And then five seconds before you walk in, okay, <laughs> oh, we'll see you. Yeah, we're leading the marriage life group. Let's go. Yo, come on. Come on. Don't play. Listen. We don't want you to act in here. We want you to be authentic. We want to let you receive the word. Let change your life. Spirit-filled means that you're empowered. Acts 19, verse 1 and 2. I want you to look at this. And it happened. While Apollos was at Corinth, that Paul, passing through the upper region, came to Ephesus, finding some disciples, he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They said to him, We have not so much even heard about that. Come on. We didn't even... No, we didn't even know there was... <laughs> I mean, they, they didn't know that there was a Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? But they were believers. Man, how many Christians are meeting around the world that are just living their life on repentance, repentance, repentance. And they can... Listen, the cross is beautiful, but the cross is the doorway to begin to change your whole life. And baby, if you're living at the cross, then you... There is so much more for you. Amen. There is so much more for you. That doesn't nullify the cross. The cross is the open door. But there is more for you. We're talking about acting. Why would the Holy Spirit want us to act? Now here's the thing. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 1 says this. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. What's a spiritual gift? (laughs) Listen to what I'm saying. Why would Paul write to the church, don't be ignorant of the gift if they're all going to go away? Why wouldn't he say, y'all hurry up a limited time only. You, this is your last chance. That's not what he said. What he said was, we are going, the Holy Spirit, come on, listen. Don't be ignorant of the gifts and how many people who are believers are struggling with insecurity because they've not allowed the Holy Spirit to operate and open their reason for living. You can't find it in a car. You can't find it in a house. Come on. You can't find it in a sexy mate. I'm just saying. And we try. Come on. We try to, to well, this will make me happy. This will make me happy. And this will make me happy. What will make you happy? Come on. And, and, and happy is such a relative term. But what will make you productive? is when you align up with the reason you were created and you're able to make a difference and you leave this earth changing somebody else's life. That'll lay your head down at night feeling like, yeah, come on, we did something today. The gifts of God flow out of love. 
We're never going to be a church. And so some of you, this may be your first time to hear about the Holy Spirit. We are not going to be the church. Do you have it? 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 We're not going to be that. Because there are some people that are just, this is a brand new idea. This is a brand new idea. And, and I grew up thinking something totally different. And so now as I'm reading the text and I'm understanding the whole concept of this, I need to marinate in this a little bit. I need to think about this. And if that's you, I'm good. I'm good. The only expectation in this church is this, that you don't sit for long. Because I believe sitting produces insecurity. Listen, as we look at this, the gifts were to be used, look at me, out of love. Jesus all the time was moved with compassion. And because of compassion, he began to, because of this, he wasn't even going to do anything. But because of compassion, he began to do. God has given us gifts. I don't have time to go over each gift. But if you'll get on our app, the house, space, NWA, Google Play, or iTunes, I have all the gifts listed. And we believe in all of those gifts. They're all on, on, on the app. Listen, out of love, we act. Come on, when you see someone broken, we act. Come on, when you see a parent going through a hard time, we act. When you see something happen, we act. We act. We act. We're not insecure. I don't know if I should say anything. What do I say? I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. I'll just ignore it. I'll just ignore it because I'm just, I don't know if it's sensitive or not sensitive. Here's the deal. People may not be ready for a hug, but they love the fact that one's coming. And I would rather be rejected giving love than give rejection because there was silence. Come on, somebody. You hear what I'm saying? I would rather be a church that we're on this side of love. Then everybody offended that, no, I went through hard times. I went through this. Nobody said anything. No, come on. You were given the Holy Spirit to act, to act. The second thing is you were given the Holy Spirit to be a witness, to be a witness. They should be looking at your life because you're acting and because you're being a witness, you should reflect truth. I'm acting and I'm being a witness. I'm acting and I'm being a witness. If we're going to to walk in the power given to us. The, the, the power is to be a witness of the truth. And come on, we're in a society, and I, I'm not trying to get political, so don't even don't get mad at me. I, I, this ain't a whatever. I do think you should vote. I think you should vote. I, I, I think, uh, I, I think a uh, voteless people is a hopeless people. You need to vote. Okay? Now, if you don't put in the truth, you will think like culture. And God did not ask you to think like culture. He asked you to think like him. Because most Christians only have been taught compassion and love, they view, come on, listen to this, they view the Christian thing to do is love people so we, come on, embrace everything. Here is the difference, and here is where our church stands on everything is that we accept 
everyone. I don't care if you're bald. I don't care if you got a weave. I don't care if you double chin, four chin, no chin. You know what I'm saying? I don't care what color you are. I don't care if you're dealing with a terrible lifestyle. I don't care. We accept you because there is value on your life. And if we did not accept you, we would not be accepting what God created. Does that make sense? But that don't mean we approve. There is acceptance and there is approval. And that's different. Even God, a good father, does not approve. Come on, even at some things that I say sometimes. You know what I'm saying? And God's like, Steve, I don't know about that. You're kind of a little tacky with your kids. God, but don't you accept me? I do, but you need to change. You know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? And so there is acceptance. Come on, somebody. And there is approval. And if we don't get the word in us and we don't know what God thinks, then we approve everything because there is no power to act and there is no power to be a witness. So we have nothing in us and we would rather just go with culture. Does this make sense? Here's the thing. We're never going to be a church that looks at someone up and down and judges them. And if, that, if that's you, then you, 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 this ain't your church. The music is going to be too loud. It's going to be too loud. Because here's the deal. Is uh, we are developing gifts all around this house. And you know what? If we have to wait for everyone to be perfect, to be used, then we are not fulfilling the Great Commission. And, and here's the The role of church is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And that's what we're going to do. You know what I'm saying? You may not have a place to park. You, you may have anxiety in the hallway. I'm like, all these people, everybody's hugging me. You know what I'm saying? We, we, we want to be close. We, we put breath mints out in the lobby. Okay? Here's my point, is that my prayer is that the Holy Spirit would stoke a passion in your heart to live missional, and anytime you want to move back in fear, that you would step up and say, God, what is the gift that you have for me? Well, pastor, you know what? I tried to pray for people. Nobody, nothing happened. Nobody happened. It was just weird. Well, here's the thing. Let me just tell you this. We are um, the hose, and God is the water. And all he wants to know is, are we going to be obedient to allow him to touch and influence our areas? Does that make sense? Way too many people, listen, listen, way too many people don't, don't want to allow God to move because they're insecure. And like, what if it doesn't? What if it doesn't? What if it doesn't? God does not say, hey, you got to take care of my... Um, resume. God just says, hey, I just am looking for someone to step up. I'm looking for someone to say yes. I'm looking for someone to do it. I'm looking for somebody. And, and the Bible says his eyes look to and fro looking for somebody who will say it's me. You hear what I'm saying? That is it. I've, there are people I've prayed for they've gotten healed. There's people I've prayed for that they haven't. But everything was done, come on, listen, out of love and hope and compassion that God would move in their life. That's what we're called to do as a church. The, the fourth thing is this. Are you hearing? Is this good? Okay. Y'all well, wait a second, Steve. I'll call you up. 
I tell them to come up on the fourth point, but I got so much to say. I'm hurrying. I'm I'm ticking. I'm talking. I know. The fourth thing is this. He refreshes our spirit. The Holy Spirit refreshes our spirit. And I I want to walk through something with you. An active walk with the Holy Spirit helps us when we are depleted of love and we are depleted of hope. Come on, life gets heavy for all of us. And have you ever wondered, like, how do they always seem to be happy? Because I'm like, I know your life. I'd be mad all the time. The Holy Spirit helps us live above our feelings. Do you hear what I'm saying? Romans 5, 5 says this. I want to read this to you. It says this, and Paul wrote, and I hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts. Listen to this. By the Holy Spirit whom he's given us. Whenever you're depleted in love, come on, you can't stand your boss. You're mad at your mate. I know that never happens. You're mad at your kids. And you're like, I'm fixing to wring somebody's neck up in this place. The Holy Spirit will come. Come on. And help you love where you cannot love. He refreshes you when you're empty. Consider the promises of God. I'm with you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsaken you. I'll strengthen you. I'll help you. I'll uphold you. I'll go before you. I'll hold you with my righteous right hand. Why would God say all of these things just to leave us? See, God hasn't left us. It's sad that so many believers are missing a greater experience with God because they believe and have been taught that salvation is all you need. And I'm going to walk through this real quick. The Bible teaches us that we can rec- that we do receive the Holy Spirit. Listen to this. As we surrender to Christ, Romans 8, 9 through 11, here's what it says. But as Christ is in you, Your body is dead to sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the spirit of raised him, Jesus, from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. However, here's what I want you to see, is we can look through the Bible and we can see just like there is salvation and then there is baptism, God is moving us. Do you notice when God went, Jesus went to the disciples, he did not say at the very, very beginning, uh, you're all going to die. He didn't lead with that. You've heard me say that a lot because I want you to understand that I feel like in the church world, we don't allow for steps. And the Bible says the steps of the righteous, come on somebody, are ordered by God. The reason people get hurt and the reason churches get weird is because we're leaping all the time. Listen, hey, stay on the ground. Just step and be a person who steps in faith. There's a greater measure of the Holy Spirit and it's called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. John chapter 20, verse 21, and I'm going to show you this real quick. John chapter 20, verse uh, 21. Are y'all with me? Are you good? We've got like three minutes and we're, we're out of here. Maybe four. Okay. Look at this. And Jesus said to them, again, peace to you. 
As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And then he said to them, he said this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Okay, now, everything that Jesus did, what did he say? Everything that Jesus does, the Father's done. Okay, so here is Jesus. The disciples have been trained. They're about to go out and start ministry. And here is what he says. Hey, boys, come on, let, let, let's just have a Netflix moment. Everybody's there. Jesus is like, hey, come here. Whoa. All of them, he breathes on them. Why does he do that? Well, in Genesis, we know that God takes from the dust of the ground and he breathes life and man is created. Does that make sense? God breathes life. Jesus breathed life. Does that make sense? We're, we're understanding this. So why would the disciples who obviously just received the Holy Spirit need another dose? Does that make sense? I mean, that's pretty redundant. If you tell me to buy a car, I buy a car. Then why would you tell me to buy another car? Because I don't need another car. I just bought a car. It's kind of weird. Jesus, this was their salvation moment when they were saying, Jesus, not only am I choosing to follow you, but now I'm going to work with you and I'm going to work for you. And he breathed into them. But here's the deal. He was still present. And so he would call them back. He would call them back. But here's the thing. When Jesus decided to leave, he said, you guys do not start your ministry until you receive the infilling, come on somebody, of the Holy Spirit. Because here's the thing, is when Jesus left, what did the disciples do? They went back to where they used to be. You will always go back. Come on. That's why you're the strongest when you're around church. Or church people. Woo, man, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. My issues aren't so bad. My, wow, we had a revival. We had this. We had this. Woo, I'm feeling good. Then you get out here for about two weeks. Oh, I hate life again. Oh, so terrible. Does it make sense? Okay, here's what Jesus knew. The disciples went back to fishing. And he, 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 they talk, Jesus talks to them on the shore and says, hey, have you caught anything? No. Here, here's the point. The point is. You will return to empty things if there is not an active presence of God in your life. Come on. It's about my career. It's about my job. It's about whatever. And you, we're, we're fishing. We're fishing. We think happiness is here. We think happiness is here. You know what I'm saying? Happiness was in my, well, I got married. Well, you know, they didn't make me happy. So I, well, I had kids and they didn't make me happy. In fact, they didn't make me happy at all. And it's just a lot of work. And so, and so now you got to put together kitchens and you got to do stuff. And, then, and it's great. And, and what happens is we keep fishing for things that we think will bring fulfillment. But we can't catch anything because it all slips through our hand. We make a little money for a while, but you know what? You got millionaires trying to find happiness. Right. See, here's the thing. Jesus said, hey, have you caught anything? No. And Jesus calls him back and he says, do not leave until you are filled with the Spirit so that you can go do and be what you're called to be. Does this make sense? Yeah. Okay. Okay. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You guys come on up. Here's my thought that I want to leave with you. The infilling work of the Holy Spirit is so that you can act and so that you can live and be a witness. In church, if you're not careful, 
we will reduce the power of God down to morality training only. And God is not concerned as much as training your morality as he is getting you to operate in love. Because these are the two things that he cares about. Love God, love people. It did not say the greatest commandments are these. Stop sinning. Clean up your act. Stop cussing. The greatest commandments are these. Stop watching that terrible show on Netflix. The greatest commandment is this. Now, I'm not saying that there isn't holiness, so don't even get it twisted. But what I'm saying is a Christian that doesn't have the power and capacity to love. We're going to act and we're going to witness. We're going to act and we're going to be a witness. That is what the Holy Spirit's function in our life does. And here's what happens. As we begin to do that, we begin to grow. And I feel like as a church, we're growing But I want to make sure that we're growing in the right capacity. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear how this message ministered to you. Feel free to let us know on the Connect tab of the House Church app. We hope you have a great week.